back to Let Them Eat. Episode two. Here we are. How are we doing today? Good. It's Friday, but it's snowy and gray outside, which I'm not a fan of. And everything I think is supposed to freeze. So. I just feel like never at any point in my life did I ever understand people that were like snowbirds that would leave your snowy climate, go somewhere warm. In Ohio, everybody goes to Florida for the winter. I officially understand in my old age why people do that because next year, catch my ass looking for an Airbnb for a long-term stay. I'm so over this weather and I know it's boring to talk about weather, but my (laughs) God, I'm over it. No, literally though. Um, AJ and I are going to Florida in March for a week, which is going to be so nice, but yeah, I'm so over the snow already and I think it's just the beginning because we didn't have any of it at the beginning of the year pure torture but anyways enough about boring ohio weather because really nobody cares about that let's talk tiktok today very Mm -hmm. exciting our favorite topic around the cotton candy social media oh boy okay so in preparation for this episode today i did a little deep dive back just kind of refresh my mind on tiktok specifically for those of you that don't know we have 1.3 million followers on tiktok and honestly it's the reason why Art of Sucre is what it is today. Pretty much solely, I would argue. Oh, for sure. I was really shocked to find out that I had started posting on TikTok in 2019, way before COVID was even a word that we used in like regular daily. I didn't even know TikTok was an app in 2019, if I'm being dead ass. Apparently, I was way ahead of the trends. I was literally crying looking at the videos that I was making. We've come a long way to say the least. (laughs) But I was super interesting is that looking at when I was posting those videos and then looking back, like how many views they have, how many comments, people must have gone back when we started going viral and like started deep diving our old videos because there's a lot of comments on those videos from around June of 2020, even though I posted them in 2019. In June of 2020 is when I really, really started to take TikTok seriously. That's actually super interesting about the deep dive. I guess it makes sense though, because I guess if you look at like a celebrity page, people will like go back and like deep dive all their, like all their posts. So I guess like what's different about it? Well, and it was kind of funny too, because people were like, why aren't you replying to comments? Like, please comment back. Like all, and that was like, again, very much in the height of TikTok, like say hi to me type of thing. And Honestly, it's because I was really overwhelmed. Like we were starting to, you know, pop off on TikTok a little bit and I was having a really hard time. It was still very much a just Emily operation at this point. And I was making so much content and uploading so much that I kind of stopped replying to comments and we'll get more into that as into why I really stopped, especially at one point. Um, And I asked you this before. We even started recording, so, you know, to kind of break the fourth wall a little bit. But I went through and I counted how many videos we have had um, that have reached over a million views. I said this, I think, on last week's episode, but in-house, we kind of view a video of over a million as, I don't know, if you want to call it going viral, we call it popping off, uh, whatever your definition of going viral is, because I just feel like it can really vary depending on... Like who you are and like what account. Right. For sure. So I asked you this. You can give your answer that you originally gave me. If you had to guess, how many videos do you think that we've had over a million? I'm not even going to lie. You asked me that question 20, 20-ish minutes ago and I dead ass forget my answer. <laughs> <laughs> what did I actually answer? I was going to say 31, but that's definitely not the answer I no, gave 20 minutes ago. Not the answer you gave me earlier. Uh, you guessed 35. Close. And- so close and Livy guessed dead on the number and she was like I'm gonna guess over so 41 and she got it she nailed it we have had 41 videos hit over a million views is that some of those videos oh my gosh words are not happening today some of those videos are like way 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 over a million yeah I would like the crazy thing I would argue that a vast majority of that 41 exceeds 2 million um actually so crazy and some like our most viral video has i just looked at it it's 25.8 million and what's interesting about that is that that number keeps climbing um and i posted that video 
in, I think it was like September, maybe late August of 2020. That's and so that crazy. video still gets views. Well, it's what we were talking about even before we started recording of that. A video nowadays can get posted, but not gain traction for like a week, yes. a month. And then out of nowhere, it'll start popping off. Yep. And I think that's just like the crazy thing about social media, because like you said, whether it's the video of Rachel spending the cotton candy in her wedding dress, or even like the different attempts we did to get to the rainbow glitter bombs, those videos are still popping off. And I still get notifications on my personal TikTok of people liking and responding to my comments on the viral videos on the Artist Secret page. And so I think so crazy. what's interesting though is that's very different than how it was originally. Like you would know within the course of like an hour or so if your video was going to go viral like way back in 2020, like I could post a video and know within an hour if it was going to get a lot of views or not. <laughs> it is not like that at all, which is honestly, I kind of prefer it that way. Um, it's a slow grow to it, which is kind of nice, but also that content is kind of evergreen. I actually looked at, um, cause again, I scrolled all the way back to our very first video I was kind of looking at all the other ones we had posted recently and we posted a video about naughty and nice glitter bombs um, around like the holidays. We did mm -hmm. not post nearly as much as we need to or were supposed to this holiday season. That was a mess. A whole other can of worms. A whole other thing. But um, one of that video of the naughty and nice, it has like 3.1, 3.4 million views. Mm -hmm. And it definitely did not have that when we left for holiday break. Like it's gained almost 2 million views, I think, since we took break in 2022. Oh, I definitely believe it. But also I think the thing with TikTok nowadays is that, and with the option of a video going viral, like later on, I feel like it also helps in the sense of just, just post, like yes. don't watch where your views are because who knows if it's going to take off and maybe in a week and maybe in a month, but just, just staying it. consistent with it and just keep posting and not letting that like view number really matter. That is something that took me literal years to come to the point that I'm at, which I feel like is actually a really healthy relationship and almost a little, this is going to sound super toxic, almost a little too healthy of a relationship because it's kind of like a, uh, I can take her or leave her. And that needs to not be my mentality because it really is what kind of drives our business in a huge way. Um, but yeah, I did not have that mindset of just post it and leave it. When I first started, the views became, I don't think addicting is the right word, but I became obsessive about checking them and checking the comments and making sure nobody was saying anything mean or nasty and making sure that my point was coming across in a clear way and how I meant it to come across. And it, it becomes all consuming and it becomes really, really personal. And oh, I can't, I, I feel that way. And I know that you, you feel that way to an extent too, about like what we post for the business page. And it's for a business. Like it's not even anything about me, who I am as a person, who you are as a person, like my character, like nothing like that, but it, it becomes so personal. Well, people are just so nasty nowadays and it's because people can hide behind a screen. So someone can't look you in the eye and say, you know, your packaging sucks. It's made out of plastic or this flavor sucked. They're not going to say that to your face, but because they can hide behind a screen, no one's going to know who they actually are. And it takes five seconds to write a mean comment, people are going to do it, but well, they don't I, realize that it's people like you and I behind the screen. They think it's some big corporation that doesn't care. But yeah. again, like it doesn't give them a right to be mean. It takes well, so much more effort to be mean than just like a video or put a heart. I think one of the things that has become very interesting is that especially I feel like with the growth of the video platforms taking off is that People assume a lot from a 60-second clip. Mm -hmm. They think that they've gathered kind of all of the information that there is to have on a subject, a topic, a person, a business, whatever it is, and then immediately make that snap judgment. And mm -hmm. then they feel so implied they're going to go ahead and make that nasty comment, even if they don't have the whole picture. So kind of like what you mentioned about the plastic, way back when... 
when I was transitioning from events to packaging, our cotton candy glitter bombs are our like main hero product. Um, and we had very different packaging back then. You have to keep in mind, this is a bootstraps company. Like I was operating on little to no knowledge of packaging, a very tight budget, and in the middle of COVID where there was huge supply chain crisis and people weren't able to work and and that kind of slowed down. There's a whole bunch of supply chain, but that's a huge part of it, especially in these factories that are producing all this packaging, right? So we had these, how would you even describe what they were? They were like little plastic jars, essentially. I have like a really weird connection to it, but I don't think... I don't know if you're going to know what I'm talking about. So I had this like craft kit as a kid to make your own lip glosses. What? And you would like make the lip glosses in the jars that our glitter bombs used to come in. So you would literally like mix like whatever it was, like petroleum jelly and extracts or, you know, whatever the hell it was. But you would mix them in those jars. So that's how I correlate it. But like, can we make lip gloss on like our next girls night? Because that sounds (laughs) much fun <laughs> i'm so in and like the ratchet way to do it is mix like kool-aid with petroleum jelly because then it gives you like a nice little lip tint too shut up no, no way I did it for like a middle school project <laughs> i feel like i missed out on a very like important part of childhood by not doing this i'm done okay so next girls night we're making lip gloss then i would be so happy to do that genuinely okay so they're essentially <laughs> these like tiny they're not like deli containers that's what we use for just the cotton candy not the glitter bombs they are uh, yeah these like tiny jars i have like screw on lids it's like the size of what you get like ketchup in when you go to like a restaurant but like better quality and more secure yes it has has screw lid right and so it was to the point where like we were printing at one point avery labels of like our logo and slapping them on these plastic containers they were horrible they got the job done kind of we then later on found out that they really didn't get the job done but in the beginning it was the only thing that we had as a solution and so sometimes when you own a business you have to make the decision that you just have to move forward with what you have. And that can be really hard. And it's, and I understand that like, it can be frustrating from a consumer end. It's really frustrating from a business owner's end, but also like to be able to get where we are now with our nice, beautiful custom packaging, I had to start somewhere. So I would post about our glitter bombs in these containers and I would even post things and they were plastic. I'd even post like, Hey, save these containers, use them to put your jewelry in when you travel, use them to take your Caesar salad dressing to work with you use that. And like people would even come to the comments and be like, Oh my gosh, I love these containers. I save them. I use them for my kids arts and crafts. I use them for my pills, whatever, like I have my anxiety medication, right. like whatever it is, X, Y, Z. And I would ask people like, let, don't throw these away. Like, don't throw them away. How can we reuse them? Yeah. And if I didn't make it a point to like bring up the fact that they were plastic, and even if I did sometimes, people would get vicious. And I mean vicious in the comments. I There was one video specifically. It was Easter Day of 2021. And we had actually already launched an online store at this point. And the video had like 4.5 million views. I ended up deleting it. I remember spending Easter afternoon sobbing, like crying myself to sleep, just so unwell of where I was at. It was one of the lowest points that I had been at ever, but especially going this business because people were just tearing me to shreds over how I was killing the planet. People were literally cussing me out, calling me the C word. Like I have never ever the worst of the worst. It was the worst. Literally, um, imagine the the worst and multiply it. People were messaging me. They were finding my like private Instagram and sent like it wasn't private, but my personal Instagram and like sending me messages on there. Like it was. It was bad. It was really, really bad that I literally couldn't handle it and had to delete the video. And so there's that side of TikTok and the internet. And then there's the good side of the internet. And then there's the side that makes that all worth it. And and it is it is I would say it definitely the positive 
does outweigh the negative, but that negative can get so loud sometimes. I don't want to sugarcoat the fact that like TikTok is just this like incredible happy space that all these incredible things have happened to me because they have. But I also just want to be very real about the fact that I was not okay. I was not okay. And it wasn't okay what was happening. And I also want to just make it clear that I can't imagine what it's like to be a human on the internet. That's your entire internet persona is just being that human, just being who you are. For sure. I felt this way as someone that was in a lot of senses, like hiding behind a business, not, not intentionally hiding, but it wasn't anything about my face. Like I didn't really show my face much at this point. Like it wasn't people attacking me physically and things like that. Yeah. They were kind of attacking my character, but they were really attacking it through the business. So it wasn't meant to be personal, even though it was hella personal. Um, I can't imagine what that feels like when it's just you as a person, not your business. Does that well, make sense? I can, yeah, I can definitely think of like two like instances that are like nowhere near as bad as the business side. But when you posted the video of your 30th birthday cookies, when you did the Twilight, yes. you got like eviscerated on your personal TikTok. I did. And then... <laughs> My, like, one video, I had, like, my first video, in a sense, like, pop off recently on my personal TikTok. I mean, nowhere near as, like, AOS pop off, but in my world, pop off, like, 10K. It was, like, the first one I had hit that. But it was about Ryan and I booking our hotel for Lost Lands this year, and people were tearing me to shreds at the fact I wasn't camping. Yeah. And... For what reason? One, like this community is supposed to be overarching, like loving, welcoming, which I've been a part of for how many years? But like going back to people create this like facade in their head without even knowing the truth. Like yeah. these people giving me the middle finger and telling me basically to piss off because I'm not camping. Like little did they know, like I camped at Electric Force for four years, which is like way more ratchet than camping at Lost Lands. But people just like can't help themselves. They just want to tear you to shreds for no reason just to what make themselves feel good or put their name on your post like who knows and i think it becomes something of kind of like one person posts it you comments it on your post they see it and agree and then it starts this just like chain reaction of people probably not even really caring but like jumping on the bandwagon a little bit at least that's how it's felt in my situation and i will say I have a much healthier relationship with social media now. Like I mentioned at the beginning of it, but it was really bad for a really long time. I would wake up at two, three, four in the morning and just be doom scrolling comments, like just scrolling, 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 and making sure like, you know, I wasn't upsetting somebody for what, how I said something. It was even how I pronounced the words. This is like a funny thing. I finally made a video about it on our business page because I just, I'm in a better place. But if you have followed us for any amount of time until very recently, you may or may not have noticed that I don't ever pronounce our business name on social media. Literally never. (laughs) Never. And no one knows how to pronounce our business name. And I honestly, at this point, kind of just chuckle at it, but it's because it's French. Okay. But it's, but it's also Irish. So art of sucra, sucra translates to sugar. And if you pronounce it with a French accent, which I'm not going to do because I'm not French and I'm not going to try to be French. I think you should. <laughs> they, they pronounce it. This is going to be horrible. Please don't judge me. It's, it's literally so horrible. Like art of souk is how they pronounce it. There's no ruh at the end of it. Like, or sucre. It's up to some people say it, which is also incorrect. Another one is like art of sucre. We get art of sucre a lot. I get art of sucker. I have heard that one recently. (laughs) Art of source is another one, which that one um, makes me laugh a little bit because I'm dyslexic and I'm like, that's probably how I would say it. Like, I'd be like, I'm missing like a U in here or something or an O. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, what's what's happening? Um, But anyways, I don't say it because I say art of sucre. I'm from Ohio. And again, if you go to Google Translate and you click on different dialects and you translate that word into sugar, the pronunciation is sucra. And it's 
and so that's how what I went with. It's just the knowledge that I had. And I'm not going to, again, try to fake a French accent every time somebody asks me my business name, because that's pretty problematic in a whole other way. But people are so angry about the way that I say our business name that they do not hold back on their opinions about it. So I just, I couldn't handle it. So I just stopped saying the business name for like forever until again, I did just recently make a video about it that I pretty much told everybody in the video, like, I am not emotionally stable enough for you all to come after me for this. So here's how I say it. However, you can say it literally however you want to. I'm going to know what you're saying. I'm going to understand. Looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have named my business something that's a little tricky to pronounce and spell, but we're sticking with her because it, it is, is what it is. <laughs> but I feel like we are definitely like not the only brand that deals with that. And the first brand that comes to my mind is because I pronounced it for so long wrong was Glossier because it looks like Glossier. It does. Yeah. So like when you look at it, like, I had no idea, and I literally think the first time I heard it pronounced right, I was like, what the hell is this glossier? Like, what's glossier? Gloss- like, yeah. Glossier. I'm like, pardon. Oh. Well, but like, <laughs> I think what's interesting is actually, like, in some ways, like, it's kind of, it kind of works into our benefit because it, sure. it makes people ask questions. Yeah. And like, as a what business is it? owner, you want that. You want somebody's interest to be piqued enough to be like, well, what is, like, can you explain this to me? What is this instead of people automatically assuming they understand everything for sure but i've also gotten to the point when people say like art of sucker to me in person as long as it's not like recorded on a video getting posted somewhere i eight out of ten times will not correct you no that's the only time i will ever like correct somebody is if they ask me yeah so oftentimes like i just reported a recorded a podcast this week and melissa is so lovely her podcast is called sunday sauce i'll share it with you all when it gets released and we have such a great time chatting but before we recorded she asked me how to pronounce my first and last name and then also how to pronounce the business name but she did her research and she saw that video where i was talking about how i say it so props to melissa because not everybody does that (laughs) no and at least she didn't try and guess how to pronounce it on air especially your last name too because people have a hard time with that one for some reason i don't understand okay wait can we talk about that for a second this is like way off topic so my married last name is harple and it's spelled h-a-r-p-e-l i think what throws people off is the e-l instead of l-e because you would harple you would think it would be l-e and a lot of people pronounce it harpel but like that's just like a minor difference that like if you come to me and say like emily harpel i'm probably not gonna correct you on it like you get the gist you know for sure so i don't know but that one seems to be challenging i think it's very much pronounced the way that it's spelled but oh for sure but that's how i feel about beerman too and people botch it all the time because it's not spelled like yeah b-e-e-r well, you have to beer. I don't think your last name is hard to pronounce. Like, if I'm looking at it, I'm gonna know how to say it. But I wouldn't know that I would spell it correctly if you said your last name was Beerman, especially because you have two N's at the end. That's what normally people like mistake. They only put yeah. one N. But I have been like literally given a piece of paper that says like B E E R M A N, like a literal beer man. Like, what's I mean- gonna go on Drew's jersey when I get married? <laughs> beer man honestly i wish that's how it was spelled honestly me too me Wait, too. I feel like we need to explain so when emma gets married my husband drew the we talked about this but the three of us are very close like we call emma our daughter she sleeps over at our house she stays on the couch like when we travel together oftentimes we share a hotel room <laughs> like we are dysfunctionally close it's not normal we know but instead of instead of a flower girl right you're gonna have a flower girl a beer man Right, so I'm going to have Drew walk down the aisle and hand out beers out of a fanny pack to people. And because we're from Cleveland, I'm going to have a custom Browns jersey made because my favorite color is also orange. <laughs> and it will, the back on the last name line, it's going to say like B-I-E-R hyphen M-A-N-N. So like Drew is the beer man, but also still incorporating my then maiden last name into our wedding. 
I can't wait for this day. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but specifically just because I know my husband is going to thrive in this moment. The one thing he'll probably be the most upset about is the fact that he doesn't get to wear like a fancy like suit or tux to your wedding and he has to wear a jersey, but he shall overcome and it'll be fine because I think he's going to be very excited to pass out beer. So it'll be, it'll be okay. Drew will literally steal the show. I'm kind of worried because I think everyone's going to be like, oh, she looks so stunning. But this beer man was incredible. Let's be honest, Drew would steal the show either way. Like, he is a wedding. Like, he is of legends of the weddings that we have attended. I'm not kidding you. I I can't prove this, but I know it in my heart of hearts. Drew and I get invited to a lot of weddings. And I know, I know for a fact it's because of his reputation on the dance floor at weddings. I mean, we have a ton of friends. We have big families. But I'm telling you, we have been invited to weddings that we've, like, kind of, like, looked at other like, are you shocked that we were invited to this wedding? Because, like, I'm a little shocked. And I know for a fact it's because Drew just tears up the dance floor and everybody in our life knows it. I seriously cannot wait for Molly and Jackie's wedding because that's going to be the first wedding the three of us are going to together. It's going to be so dangerous. It's going to be so much fun. Molly and Jackie are a design team that live in Denver, and they're getting married in April. And that is going to have to probably be its own podcast episode because we're spending cotton candy for it. It's going to be very exciting and just very unhinged fully. I feel like we're going to have to have a podcast episode for each time we travel because (laughs) all of our travel stories are so unhinged. And I feel like we have to go in depth of every single one. It's not going to be able to be like split up. There's no way. I could not agree more, to be honest with you. I feel like we could go back and do them for past trips, honestly, as well. But anyways, okay, back to back the on topic. <laughs> back on. You'll catch us doing this often. This is how we work, too. It's not great. And there's no one here to keep us on track. It's just us, which makes this very dangerous. At but... least when we're out in, like, HQ, Livy can keep us on track. But no, when right. we're doing this, there's no holds bar. Livy can hear us because none of our offices are soundproof in any way, shape, or form. Mine literally has, like, a hole that the wall doesn't even go all the way through. So she can hear everything we're saying, but she can't do anything to keep us on track, which is honestly kind of fun. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's kind of maybe transition a little bit and talk more about the nitty-gritty of what it actually takes, what to post and to create content and what that looks like. And I guess I can kind of share a little bit about how it looked at the beginning versus what it looks like now. Although I would argue it's really not all that different, which I think is really shocking to a lot of people. Yeah, Uh, but I will say this year we are like taking steps to kind of move it in a different direction, which will be cool. And I'm excited to like see the difference and just like, well, difference in views and that kind of stuff, but also like the analytical difference. So Totally. I guess, like, let's just start what you used to do and So, from day one, I am not a professional anything, actually, but definitely not a professional videographer, video editor, nothing. And I, in the very beginning, shot everything myself. Like, I had didn't even have a tripod in the beginning. It was me just like wedging my phone on things to get the right height. I would just take content of literally anything and everything. I would set my phone down at one angle, record for hours in the cotton candy studio of what I was doing. And then I would go home and I would edit it, splice it down. I still to this day use the same app. I use InShot on my phone. I don't even edit in the TikTok app. And then I would voice it over and I would slap a sound underneath it sometimes, sometimes not, and literally just upload it as simple as that. No script. When I voice it over, it can literally, to this day, take me one shot and I get it done and it's perfect. Or sometimes it takes me an hour and a half. Or sometimes you can literally hear me in my office dropping F-bombs because I cannot get what I need to say out in the length of the video that I have. And I just get frustrated and I have to come back to that video later. You can literally hear me on the other side of the wall. Like everybody has to be quiet because, again, offices are not soundproof while I'm trying to voice stuff over. And we've just come to the conclusion that me doing that here is not I have to go home and do it where like nobody can hear me I'm in my own space like fully comfortable relaxed and then I can voice over but I will say you are now able to voice over TikToks with me in the room which was not the case at the start so I would consider that a win I'm actually really glad that you brought this up because I don't know that you know this but when I I was spending 
eight to 10 hours a day, like during COVID, really starting in June of 2020, recording content, editing it and voicing it over. So I would record, record, record all day. I had come home or I'd sometimes record in my home either way. I'd edit everything. And then it would be like seven o'clock at night and I still wasn't done yet. And I was still voicing stuff over and guess who's home at seven o'clock at night? Drew. And so I cannot voice things over in front of him. And I, I'm not normally like this, but like, for whatever reason, I have this like ritual when it comes to voicing things over that I have to sit on my spot in the couch, like facing the window, like in the zone. And which means that if I'm facing the window, I'm looking directly at him. And so I can see every like slight chuckle, like face movement, what I know he's just dying to make a comment about what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, whatever that is. So I would force him to either a leave the room. I wouldn't leave the room because I'm an asshole. He had to leave the room or B he had to wear noise canceling headphones <laughs> for like hours while I voiced over TikTok. That's literally my favorite fact in the world that you used to make Drew wear noise canceling headphones as you recorded TikToks. I did. And to this day, if I have to record at home and I like he comes in the house while I'm recording and I'm in my spot, like on our couch, like he knows the drill. Like there were even times when like he would have to physically remove himself from the room and like go upstairs in our bedroom and like shut the door with our dog because I just have to like I have to be in the zone. I don't record in like a sound booth. Like if my dog walks over to the kitchen, you can hear his nails clacking on like the hardwood floor. You can hear him drinking out of his water bowl. Like literally, or like, I'm like, you can't breathe. Like you literally have to sit in silence with your noise canceling headphones on while I voice this over. So funny. Yeah. Sorry, Drew. I can He's... imagine you like, just like putting them on him. Just like, <laughs> and then... it's time. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye and then i'd have to like wave my arms like to get his attention to be like i'm done as i'm like yelling <laughs> through the noise canceling headphones <laughs> so that is what that very much looked like and that was that way for oh years honestly like really until we got our space here when i have like my own office but i can voice over something in front of you i do not prefer to do it that way i because it's it's a process i think especially because i don't write a script a lot of content creators write a script or an outline i don't even write an outline and i think part of that is because i am dyslexic and so if i feel like i'm like tracking and reading on a script it becomes really robotic i trip over my words a little bit more i have I have no problem public speaking and, and, you know, in general, and I, and I read a lot, I, I'm an excellent reader, but there's something that's a little bit different about it in this context. And then it doesn't come out as natural. I think that's one of the things that when I'm, I'm genuinely just kind of having a conversation and storytelling, and it's that way because I don't overthink the process of writing a script. I have bullet points that I want to obviously get out in that video, but it's really not this like huge process, I guess is the best way to put it. When you record, like when you voice over, do you look at your phone screen to watch the video go all the way through? Or do you kind of like look over your phone, like at a wall? No, I watch the video. So I track like in time, the cadence of my speech with what's ha and what I'm saying with what's happening on the screen. Sometimes it doesn't always exactly line up and, mm -hmm. and you've, you've watched me do this, but I think it's probably, I'm probably even a little shyer about it when somebody's in the room, but if there was a camera on me watching me do it, you will see that I will kind of go through the video a couple of times and kind of get the rhythm. There'll be certain phrases that I will latch onto that I'll say every single time that I hit, like that I hit re-record until finally all of the pieces of the puzzle kind of fall into place. So I almost make like an outline or a script in real time out loud as I'm voicing over and trying each attempt over and over again. No, it definitely makes sense. Cause that's how you kind of taught me how to do it when I do like my personal ones. Yeah. But I I'll watch mine through like once or twice and try and do it that way. But I have a better time, like looking once I have like 
I know the way the video is about to go, I'll like look over my phone at a wall and I better story tell that way. Because if I see the video going, sometimes it'll like catch me off guard because I'm just in the mode of watching it that I'll stumble over my words and then I have to redo it all. You get too distracted by your excellent content that you literally just can't focus on it. I get distracted by me. <laughs> Honestly, that is the most you thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. That was so bad. Everyone scratch it. I am not that self-conceited, I promise. We're not editing that out. That's that's going here forever. It's going to live on the internet for literally ever. I think one of the things that has been really interesting about being on social media is the connections that you make. I mean, you and I, you and I met on social media. It wasn't TikTok, but like, I think you probably thought like, Hey, that girl's cool or that business, probably not that girl's cool, but that business is cool because you probably were very in touch with the fact that we were blowing up on TikTok. So it opened the door for you to want to slide in and kind of be a part of that am i wrong in that or no so i fun fact i didn't even have tiktok downloaded until like a year after working here which i did not know i also think it's important to note that like yes like the team helps me now with recording videos and what that means is like oftentimes it's still very much me that does it not not always there's occasionally we'll ask one of you guys to film something for me but um we work as a team effort to film somebody's holding the camera it's either me or you and then the other person's doing the hands for it so basically we like act as a tripod for each other and then i'm still the one that like edits every piece of content and every voiceover that goes live on TikTok. So it is still, I'm still very hands-on. And that is one thing that I will not be giving up fully for a very, very long time, if ever, because it is so much of our brand. So you didn't need to have TikTok downloaded to work here. Although I do find that to be very fascinating. And I actually didn't know that until you told me that the other day. Yeah, no, I didn't have TikTok downloaded. I had like a vengeance against TikTok. Like, I didn't want to download it. Everybody had it downloaded. Everyone was sending me stuff. I'm not downloading this app. And then finally I caved and I downloaded it. Have never gone back. But I will still say Instagram is, like, my bread and butter. Like, I very much would rather post, like, photos edited with a very nice aesthetic. But I I do love a good reel every once in a while. But I'm more of, like, the vloggy style where I don't have to – put a voiceover on it. I get to put like a sound that I like and just like slap that up there. No, for a very like different approach to social media while still implementing like the TikTok side, I guess. Which actually ended up really working out beautifully because you need both. Right. So it was made like a partnership made sense because I could do the TikTok side of it and you have the Instagram side down. Yeah. So it ended up working out. But what's so interesting about kind of the, and I can tease you about this because you've since turned your ways, but that there was so much of that attitude that you had about the whole like, TikTok is not for me. It's for like all the little kids, Gen Z, like whatever, doing dances. And I'm just not into it. It's, I'm just not into it. I don't want to be a part of it. And I feel like that you didn't have like a negative attitude about it, but just kind of that like overall ew a little bit. Like a why. Yeah. Like I don't need this like kind of thing. So many business owners behaved that way or felt that way, especially in the middle of 2020. And It's funny because I think there was a lot of like, what is she doing? Like, why is she wasting her time doing this? Because it was a lot of work. And then it very quickly turned into a, oh, now I understand. And can you teach me how to do that? And I think it was honestly a lot of missed opportunity for a lot of people in a time that a lot was unknown. So I totally understand, but it does make me a little sad because there was just this so much potential waiting that if you had the time, it would have been so worth it, especially as a business owner to kind of pave a path on TikTok when nobody else was doing that. Businesses weren't on TikTok at that time at all. It was genuinely Charlie D'Amelio dancing in her bedroom. Yeah, it was at the time where you had nothing better to do than do dances in your bedroom. Right. Because nothing was open. So why the hell not? Right. And, and so from that, I'm really, really thankful to past Emily that she did not view it 
that way. And I'm really thankful that I stuck with it and that I did pick it back up then in June of 2020 and then really just hit the ground being hella consistent and posting three to four times a day. And then we hit a million followers in October of 2020. And that's also right around the time that the algorithm and the app as a whole really started to change. Um, just kind of the overall atmosphere of TikTok started to change. People were starting to take notice at that time of like, oh shit, maybe we should be taking this seriously. Like, oh, this is way more than just high school kids on here. It's a large demographic of people. They're just being quiet about it because there was that little bit of embarrassment to go along with it. Oh yeah. But I think one thing that definitely should not go unnoticed is that the business owners that made fun of you and really looked down at you for creating TikTok are also the business owners that are now asking for your advice, putting you on panels, having you teach workshops. Right. So there's definitely something you should be proud of, one, but you now have this power that you stuck with something that everybody else had negative connotation against. And now look where you are compared to the rest. Like, it's just so crazy, but so it's awesome. It's wild. I think it's one of those things that like, if it's taught me anything, it's just to follow my gut. And that is something that I have really done a job, like a really good job at in this business is following my gut. It's something you live by. I feel like here, like every decision you make comes from your gut. And there have definitely been decisions in the business that have almost gone through. And at the last minute, you're like, no, like my gut is telling me this is wrong. Like this is completely wrong. And obviously I've stuck behind you with him and been like, then it's wrong. Like, right. Then we're pulling the plug. And I feel like every instance that that has happened has led to the outcome that we desired. Like it was the right 100%. decision. And, and I think like kudos to you for being able to like follow somebody that <laughs> literally can't put into actual words outside of my gut told me no or my gut told me yes and you're like bet like you've never questioned that like you've never been you have also always trusted my gut and that is not something easy and and that comes down to like genuinely every decision i trusted my gut when it did not make any sense at all to start a cotton candy company at the age of 22 it didn't it didn't make any sense at all to do that and people were very loud about the fact that it didn't make any sense to do that and i followed through i trusted my gut when it came to the packaging i trusted my gut when it came to hiring you and and i think that's been kind of one of the interesting things about scaling this business and growing a team. And it has just become so apparent to me that I have to have people. And I don't mean this by saying I have to have yes people around me because in no way are you a yes man. It's no. <laughs> it's very, it's very different. If anything, you play devil's advocate a lot, which I think is a good balance at times, but it has become very apparent to me, especially over 2021 and 2022, that I have to have people that may not fully understand why I come to the conclusion that I do, but trust me and trust my gut enough to know that I'm not leading you astray type of thing. And you can make your opinion known that like, Hey, I may not agree with this, but at the end of the day, you still trust me to make what I feel like is the best decision with all of the information that I have. For sure. And I think there's a respect that comes from that. And we were even just talking about that. Like, even if I necessarily don't agree with the decision that you make, or if I give like an opposing opinion, I will obviously always respect what you have to say. And you'll respect my opinion, even if it's not the one you choose. But it's always the talking that gets us to the point of A was the right decision or B was the right decision. And it just boils down to like respect and having like faith and trust in each other. And and this is again has nothing to do with social media. Yeah, total left turn. <laughs> we had this kind of happen. I feel like earlier this week we were talking about an event here that we're planning, and it became very clear very quickly when we sat down to talk about it. We had a very different vision for what we wanted from kind of like the content we were trying to create about it, like the style of the event a little bit, and photographer, are we gonna have one or are we not? And from like the first like two sentences we both said, we were like, shit, we are not on the same page at no. all about this. But we talked through it and then both of us kind of ended up at a completely different place with it and being like, oh, we were kind of both not right about this and where right. we settled 
makes the most sense. And so you have to be able to have those conversations to settle and to make the decisions in a way that is genuinely a team effort when it needs to be a team effort. For sure. And being open to ideas that initially weren't on the table. Like it wasn't my side or your side or an idea that either of us even had going into the conversation to talk about. It was something that developed during that conversation that was like, oh, like my idea doesn't make sense and your idea doesn't make sense, but this idea makes sense. And this is going to be the best idea for the company, the team, the event. So it's just being able to be open and have that open mindset of I'm not always right. You're not always right, but it's somewhere in the middle. And I feel like too, like we don't have the like ego of the I'm right, you're right in like keeping tally of that at all. Like it genuinely does feel more like a team effort. And this goes into content creation too, of like we arrive at things together. And I think this is, it plays out really interestingly when it does come to TikTok, because that is so much like my domain like nobody else has the controlling power to post on tiktok nobody else can do the voiceovers type of thing but it still ends up being a collaborative effort because we talk about topics that need to be covered and we talk about strategy and we talk about you know what ideally how many videos we want to see each day who do we want to partner with on tiktok like those types of things even though it's technically like my category it's still something that we very openly discuss and go back and forth about oftentimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like what is something different that we can do that we haven't done before? Like a common topic that we've been talking about recently is showcasing glitter bombs in a different way because we record the same video often, which not necessarily is a bad thing, but what can we do to get out of our comfort zone to really improve that style? Yep. And we've been really working through that and it's been a collaborative effort and talking about, okay, like this may not work, but also have we given it the chance to make it work? Because last year we were notorious for trying something new when it didn't work the first time we kind of just ripped, like wrote it off and said, you know what? It didn't work. That's not, that's not it. But this year I think we agreed to what giving it a month of a, like trying yeah. a series for a month and then if it doesn't work, okay, let's reevaluate that. And then going back to the drawing board if necessary. Well, so much of like this year is being focused on like putting an actual strategic plan in place because for so long, especially in the beginning, it was just creating content and posting it. There was no like scheduling. There was no plan like in place. Like it was just genuinely what did I have the content for and what could I create in my head for a script for it? And like some things obviously come more natural than others of like, oh, we had this really cool custom order. Like, let's post about that. But I feel like that in some way that has been great because it allowed me to be super creative in the moment. And that's awesome. However, sometimes I think it was to our detriment because we didn't have like a rollout marketing plan. We were releasing collections and the business is just so different now that that strategy can't work and doesn't work anymore. And so it's really kind of become this thing where we need to get more creative, but in a structured manner, which is hard. That is not easy at all. And I think it's something that we're going to continue to have to kind of adjust, reevaluate and check in with. Yeah, for sure. And you know, the first creative video that we can do. Tell me what's in my pool bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Oh my, I, I was so much for being the one to bring this up because it makes me not look like a raging asshole when I have to just rake you over the fire for this because Livia and I will just straight up reference this. Even sometimes we're not mean, I promise, but even sometimes when you're not here and just belly laugh because it's the funniest shit of my life. Okay. <laughs> Last year. And we do this often. We have that. We have meetings that are called like whiteboard meetings. We have this like acrylic it's not even white. It's a clear whiteboard in our like HQ and our couch is there. It's like a super cozy kind of like living room space. And that is where all of our creative mojo goes to when we are doing anything creative for the business, coming up with collections, talking about collaborations and content. And we just kind of brainstorm. We allow ourselves these, like when we're having these creative, I don't know, moments of inspiration, they're not even always scheduled because 
I'm a psychopath and like will just like get inspired out of nowhere and be like, everybody needed the whiteboard. Like it's like that's... a creative sprint. Yeah. So we do those often and we were doing one last year. And so we were writing down kind of all these different content ideas, kind of going through it. And Emma just casually mentioned like summer's coming up. We should do a what's in my pool bag video. And Olivia and I were like, oh, like that's a great idea. It could be super cute. Have like a, a white claw and a glitter bomb, like whatever. And, you know, sunscreen, super cute. You know, let's totally write it down. So we took everything from the whiteboard and put it into Notion, which is our we live and die by Notion. And so if you don't know what it is, you've got to definitely check into it, whether it's for work or personal, whatever. But essentially, it's this, I don't even know. It's an app that our entire entire business lives in Notion. It's incredible. And so we write it down or no, no. Emma, you take the stuff from the whiteboard and you put it into Notion. Yeah. And then it sits. And then we come back to a meeting a couple of weeks later. And Emma once again mentions her what's in my pool bag video. Don't think anything of it. It's still a great idea. Whatever. Emma's gone on a trip, vacation. She's gallivanting off into the world somewhere. And Livy and I are recording content one day because I'm about to leave for vacation. When I tell you that this bitch wrote no less than in five separate places, five different times, her idea for the what's in my pool bag video. I'm telling you, it was a glitch. I did not write this in five different spots. We will fight until the detriment about this video. And to this day, I get so much shit. No, literally, it was not a glitch because it was in like different tabs in different locations. Like anytime Emma could find a place to just slip in the what's in my pool bag, girlfriend was doing it and going hard like when we the day that we finally record we finally record this video will be honestly the best day of emma's life because then this year we still never recorded the what's in my pool bag video she comes to planning week and dead ass <laughs> looks olivia and i in the eye and goes i have an idea for a video and we we're like okay what is it and she goes i think we should do a what's in my rave bag video <laughs> If you want my honest opinion, the what's in my rave bag video would be 10 times more entertaining because there's so much random shit in there. I can't even tell you what's in there. I, I literally cannot. Like, but I, I will, I will say if any little ravers are listening to this, if you find me at a music festival, there will be glitter bombs in my rave bag. I'm a little dead. So stay tuned for the what's in my pool bag video because it's obviously has to happen this year and uh, could be a whole series potentially depending on how many times Emma writes it in our notion planner for something to record, but a whole series. Don't you (laughs) literally crying? Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's pretty much the unhinged way that we decide to create content. We are working on making it better. We've created these things. I just think that we name things, fun things to make ourselves do them at work. But um, we created this again in notion. We're calling it our marketing plan. Mad lib. It's not a Mad Lib. Let's just be very clear. That is not what this is in the slightest, but it sounds fun and like something you want to do. So it's essentially just this, it's like a five page document of every release that we have, kind of the step-by-step, what do we have to do for not only content, but email marketing and design ideas and things like that. So stay tuned for hopefully a little bit more of a structured plan on releasing content this year. Oh, yeah. But honestly, if we can take something that has like a boring ass name and then put a fun title to it that makes us want to dive into it, there's nothing wrong with that. Who doesn't want to do a marketing Mad Lib? Sounds honestly like so much fun. We really should have structured it like like a Mad Lib in like one big paragraph. It would have been an eyesore and would have been a bitch to eventually go through and like really separate it out. I really considered it, but when I, I was like 5 a.m. when I put this into Notion the one morning and I was like, I don't have it in me to make this an actual Mad Lib. So for right now, she is what she is, but potentially in the future. Um, This is like a very sharp segue, but what else is new in our life? Sharp left. I think that what people miss in posting on TikTok or social media in general, but specifically right now TikTok is that you have no idea who is watching your videos. Oh, never. And we definitely learned that in 2021. Oh, 
did we learn that? And I we think we really learned it in 2022 as well. Yeah, we did. And when I started posting on TikTok and when things started really blowing up, I don't even think I'd had a million followers at this point, but like not a lot of people had a million followers on TikTok. It was like a huge deal if you had a hundred thousand followers on TikTok at this point. I was reached out to by a reality TV show producer and went through kind of the whole process. I had multiple meetings and had sent samples of our product and had been in very early stages of talking about potentially doing an Art of Sucre reality TV show. And I think that gets proven to us day in and day out of the people that reach out to us, the brands that reach out to us and want to work with us in a way that even if it's a hundred people watching your video, I will shout this from the rooftops until I die. It could be somebody that works at Google and those hundred people that are watching your video, or it could be your ideal client or your whoever it is. You don't know who it is on TikTok that's watching what you're posting. And right. that's both really amazing and scary. So keep that in mind, depending on what you're posting on the internet. No, absolutely. And even if brands don't reach out to us, there have been multiple times that I reach out to a brand for a collaboration and they know exactly who we are. Like, 100%. oh my God, you do the sparkly cotton candy on TikTok. We love your stuff. I almost feel like I live a double life. And it's because I, we often forget, I really often forget how much reach as a brand we really have and how many eyes have really been on what we do. Because again, it's not me, it's the brand. I can go to Target and nobody gives a shit who I am because no one A, cares about, you know, at that but b it's not necessarily me in those videos so it takes a little bit of explanation to people to kind of get the oh artisukra i know who that is type of thing or i've seen your videos so it very much does feel like a double life and one of the ways that it really feels like that is like drew and i will be talking about other content creators and he'll be like yeah like i follow so and so like they're so amazing they're doing so well they have like 500,000 followers, which is amazing. And he's like, that just blows my mind. I couldn't imagine having that many people watch my stuff. And I just sit there and kind of smile. And he's like, shit, I always forget. Like, yeah. it's it's literally almost like this double life, like another part of me. It's um, because you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. Am I the Hannah Montana of content creators? Oh, my God. I think you're the Hannah Montana of this generation. <laughs> Wow. Me and Miley just really hanging out. You know what I mean? Where's your blonde wig, babe? <laughs> I left her at home. I can't let anybody get on the secret. That's why people don't recognize me. When I leave, you know, like the house, I do put the blonde wig on. So the dark hair is actually my fake persona. <laughs> so could you imagine me? Not that anybody, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I have very dark hair and I don't think I would look good as a blonde just to be clear i couldn't imagine you as a blonde seriously no, like maybe maybe like a redhead like mix it up doesn't have to be blonde you know what i mean like an autumn brown yeah maybe not a big enough of a difference we'll play we'll work on it we'll work on it we'll workshop it but i think the conclusion we came to is you are the hand montana of this generation honestly what a gift and what high praise i will accept it no questions asked. And now I understand why Hannah Montana did what she did. Because listen, being a human on the internet, and I am in no way, shape, or form famous by any sort of the imagination, it's not easy. And it's definitely not always a pleasant experience, to say the least. No, but I think there's definitely something to be said about like your identity being hidden, if you will. Yeah. Because I feel like even when we went when we went to New York and we went to catch an ice cream, who's owned by Dylan LeMay, if our listeners don't know. But when we were in there, how many people came in and were like, oh, my God, like, I love you. Like, I am such yeah. a big fan. And it happened multiple times while we were in there. So I feel like it's almost it's fun to be recognized, but it's also like a detriment if you don't want that attention or if you're having a bad day or you just right. don't want to notice. Dylan blo has blown up like so much. And what's interesting about his content is that not a lot of it is his face either. Um, no, it's, it's very much like, like his hands and his voice. Very, very similar to what my content is too. Um, he shows his face, I would argue probably more than I do now, but he blew up so much and he has way more followers than we do. And it would be interesting to kind of ask him 
like does he like that side of being able to be recognized and i think it's helped his brand a lot because there's a huge personal connection people come to catch in their ice we've had it their ice cream is literally amazing but they come for dylan and and the chance to see him and like i stay i mean i love dylan but i stay for the ice cream because that ice cream is fire i made myself so sick last time we were there but he a hundred percent is why people come from all over the world i would argue there's a video he posted and i can't remember how recent it was um but he was in the back so the back of Ketchin is like all glass so you can see where the ice cream gets made but there was like a massive crowd of people watching dylan like make ice cream in the back just waving to him and trying to get his attention But, like, I couldn't imagine that in, like, the cotton candy space. Like, we're working and people are outside of our office windows, like, knocking and trying to get our attention and waving. It's such, like, a different way of life. But it's so crazy because it's the same space of growing on TikTok. But, like, and again, he has way, way, way more followers than we do. But there's part of me that thinks, like how cool would that be to have a storefront, like have a glass space where you could actually watch the cotton candy being made in real time. Like at some point I see that in our future for sure. And I don't, I don't know what that looks like yet. I think there's, we could deep dive this in a whole other episode, but there's definitely plus and minuses to the fact that the brand is associated with me to an extent, but it's not solely me. And I've, I have struggled with that balance from the start Mm -hmm. and I think I can probably do more to add more of my personality and who I am into it but ultimately you know if one day I want to sell the brand or whatever Art of Sucre speaks for itself and stands on its own and that name is recognizable without me which is a really great and beautiful thing and I do think that we have kind of struck that balance and we can work on growing it even more. Um, but for what I want in my life and for where I am in my life, it feels, it feels good to have that anonymity to some point. And again, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have that, but think about Tinks. She has a similar follower account than we do. And everybody knows who Tinks is. She can't go to Air One without somebody stopping her. I'm right. sure. And with the growth, we've talked about expanding our community events this year. And even with being in New York, putting out that we're going to be at a certain place for a happy hour and come meet us, grab a drink and just hang out. So like growing those community events and creating that sense of community within Art of Sucre is going to be huge this year. And I think it'll help add enough to the brand that you feel that it's more involved, but still have that space of not being recognized going getting a smoothie on a Tuesday at 9 a.m. Right. That sounds like scary. And I love, I like, I genuinely have such a special place in my heart. I get like almost embarrassed, like overwhelmed. I don't know how to describe it when somebody's like, I love Art of Sucre and like love your brand. Like, I don't know how to handle it because it's so humbling that right. someone would like genuinely care about us that much like to use those words to like buy our products like to do all those things like it's it is this just really weird kind of duality that i live in of like understanding it's a really cool product and concept and like we've worked so hard to get here the other side is like oh my god i cannot believe that somebody would feel this way about something that i've created if that makes any sense at all no absolutely it's like when i was at rise the other day and i was like saying my gratitudes or whatever i was doing at the beginning of class and our instructor, who is a good friend of mine now, but called out Art of Sucre in class to the entire class as I'm standing on this climber with my hair in a bun and sweat dripping down my face. <laughs> I just didn't know how to take it when everyone looked at me and wanted to know, you were what for a candy company, what is it? And I had to yeah. stand there on a climber in front of like 25 people and explain what the business was. And everyone was wondering, how do I get that? And you handle it better than I do, I would argue. And I think it's because of, A, like your personality is way more outgoing than mine is. I'm such a little happy introvert in my own little space with my books and blankets and dog and and all of that. And it's not that I don't love people because I definitely do, but you are just much more willing to like go up and be like, oh, I know that person from social media where I would literally never do that. So it's... 
it's so funny to kind of experience that together and how we both like each of us react differently to it it's definitely funny like seeing like our social batteries yeah like when Mm -hmm. we travel together you (laughs) poor thing because you're in bed by 9 30 with me watching twilight because i just can't people anymore but then i like have such a big like i talk such a big game when drew's with us and then i only end up going out like one night out of five yes emma pretends like she likes to go out and have fun but really she wants to just be snuggled in bed next to me let's be honest (laughs) Don't lie to me. Don't lie to the people, Emma. That's rude. I honestly can't. You'll see me at a bar like every once, like every so often, and I truly enjoy it. But yeah, I am. Um, I like bed, my PJs, and having no makeup on. Yes, a hundred. Yes, amen, girl. I definitely hear that. Oh my gosh. Well, episode two. This was so fun. Trust me. I'm sure we will talk way more about TikTok and kind of deep dive it even more. But those were just kind of our general thoughts, feelings, and where we're at with the app right now. Hopefully more to come this year and lots of more posting. I'm making you all hold us accountable to that. So much more posting. Oh my gosh. And then with that and within the first two episodes, you obviously know that we do not stay on track and we take very sharp laughs often. So way more of that. And we can't promise that we will ever stay on track, but thanks for following along with us. Yeah. Thanks for being along for the ride. See you next week. Love you, mean it. Love you, mean it. Bye. Bye.